But the people that have left, I can't tell you the number of times I've heard back from them and said, you know, if you ever leave, you don't realize how good it is here. I think you have to really depart from the area to really, you know, discover how, you know, what you once had. It, it is something special. Uh, when you look around, most communities, very few have a park like Tuscarora Park. So I think it's very special as soon as I get involved with it and with Christmas the Park, I did. You are listening to another episode of the We Are Tusk podcast presented by Dover First Christian Church, where we meet interesting people from all around Tuscarawas County, and they tell us the stories that make us who we are. Welcome to the We Are Tusk podcast. My name is Josh Robinson, and I'm your host. I moved into the Tuscarawas County three years ago to serve as a minister at Dover First Christian Church, and one of my favorite parts about the move has been getting to know the people who make up this wonderful community. There are so many folks who love this place, who've given their life to making the county the wonderful place that it is, and the goal of this podcast is to help tell their stories the stories that make us who we are. Today, I'm sitting here with Jan McIntyre. Jan has been an integral part of the community for years now. He's been helping buy and sell houses in the community for more than 30 years and played a key role in local events such as Christmas in the Park. Jan, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I am doing well. I want to start just telling you, this is an absolutely beautiful facility you have here. I pulled in the house and everything is gorgeous. Yes, yes. Well, that was kind of cool to take an old Victorian home since we sell homes. Yep. And honestly, bring it back because it was... uh, it wasn't in very good shape when we got it, so uh, it's uh, we saved a, a cool house built in the late 1890s, or actually late 1880s, I believe, and it's become a great home for us, because I spend more of my waking hours here than, <laughs> than at home. <laughs> yeah, I got to tell you, I pulled in from the very get-go. Everything is just pristine and perfect. You've done a wonderful job Thank with the, the building here. Thank you. Well, we're going to start with just a couple icebreaker questions that folks get to know you, so let me ask you, what is your favorite family holiday tradition? What do you love to do with your family around the holidays? Okay, well, there's probably two things when I really think about it. Uh, you know, being that I live and breathe the real estate business, if I can get out of town for a couple of days, it's really a nice break. So for years, we, we would go to my brother's uh, home, which is in Cincinnati. And Cincinnati is a great city. They have a lot of neat holiday traditions. And so just to get away for three or four days around Thanksgiving with all my family and kind of when I'm not here is when I have an opportunity to get away from the business. If I'm anywhere near Tuscarawas County, then I'm in the business, especially with a cell phone in my hand. <laughs> so it's great to get that. And actually, if we get to Christmas in the Park, I'll tell you that Cincinnati was an integral part of me starting Christmas in the Park. So oh, that's cool. Yeah. Very cool. And the other thing we like that my parents started when I was a, basically a baby, they started an event on Christmas Eve where we'd have kind of an open house after church. And everybody would come and uh, we'd, they'd have food, of course. And at the uh, kind of the highlight of the night is my mom would always bake a cake, put a candle in, and we'd, we'd sing happy birthday to Jesus. So we continue that tradition. So that's been a I'm now 61, so that's a 60-year tradition. That, and now friends from church and family and associates and people stop by that evening. And so it's kind of a cool thing, Christmas Eve. What a neat, what a neat way to celebrate. It is. You know, it I, is. We're pretty old school. It's funny because I, I've never had a Christmas without a live tree in my house. Is that right? And I remember when, when everybody was going away from that. You know, yeah. We, we'd go out and get the tree and everybody was getting the artificial and the lights. Yeah. And now you try to go to a Christmas tree farm and they're like, they're sold out the second weekend because yep. that's kind of become a thing again. So yep. it's been interesting to see that yep. circle back around. It is. That's cool. Uh, so you sell houses for a living, and I'm guessing you have been in literally tens of thousands of houses in your life. Quite a few. So tell me, what is like the one amenity or detail you've seen that you're like, this is just a really cool feature that this house offers? Well, I think the thing today is the master suites. I mean, years ago, you know, master baths might might be there, might not be there. They might have a tub or they'd have a half bath. Today, they go pretty elaborate. If you get in some of the <laughs> more extravagant homes, you'll see all kind of bells and whistles with the master master bath. So that's cool. One home I remember specifically as a, a home that had an indoor pool. I think I've seen two in my 
30 plus years of selling homes. So an indoor <laughs> pool is, you know, especially in the uh, atmosphere or environment we have here in uh, Tuscarawas County, in Ohio in general, you know, you, you normally have a pool open four months if you're lucky. So having a pool you can use year round, I think it was pretty clever. No bowling alleys or arcade systems? I, I haven't seen bowling alleys. I've seen arcades in okay. houses, pinball machines and yeah. things like that, which is really cool. Yeah. And then there's some, been some great spas, you know, kind of gyms that people put in their home with for high-end equipment. Those are really cool. Too. That's cool. Yeah. The goal of this conversation is to kind of tell your story and explore mm-hmm. your passion you have for the Dover, Philly, and the, the county at county. large. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's jump in. You grew up here in New Philadelphia, a New Philadelphia high school graduate. Yes. Uh, tell me a story about what it was like growing up in New Philadelphia. And we won't have to say how long ago. You already <laughs> shared your age. Yeah. But uh, yeah. what was it like growing up here? Well, I think it really it was wholesome. It was one word I could say. It, growing up in almost Mayberry back in that time, I think, it was a wholesome environment for me. I had, I had great... Uh, friends and and back in that day you would go outside and play with your friends in the neighborhood and have great baseball football just your standard type of games in the neighborhood and you felt safe and secure and uh you know going to school you i'd walk to school back in the day you walk there you walk 10 miles uphill one way right (laughs) in in the snow right in the snow that's That's right right. that's right so no i would say overall i just have great memories my church and church events and youth group we did all that and uh, overall, just, just it was just a great, and we still have, it's a great family environment, This the Tuscarawas County in general is. So I'm going to ask you a series of three questions here, because you've you spent a few decades here. So tell me, let's start few. with this. What's, what's one thing that you see that has changed for the better, that you've seen some growth or some improvement here in your time here that you're like, I'm really proud of how our community has grown uh, in this way, maybe? Hmm. Uh, I think a small town grows with small businesses. Uh, the day of the big uh, car plants or whatever and whatnot, uh, at least for our generation, I don't think we're going to see that. Uh, obviously, we encourage it because that's jobs and that helps our economy, helps our local city governments, et cetera, with tax dollars and things like that. But I think for the most part, it's a lot of small business and that continues to be the trend. So I don't know if that's the right answer you want to hear, but uh, that's, that's the best answer yeah, I can give right. right now. Well, how about this? Let's this. What's something that this community still has that you just you really appreciate about the Dover, New Philly, the Tusk County area that you're like, I love this when I was growing up. I love that we're still this way. Mm-hmm. This is why I've made my home here. Well, I, I think the family environment, like I said earlier, I think, I think we've got a great environment for kids. I mean, obviously, your parents need to be on call and being aware of what your kids are doing. Uh, but for the most part, uh, I think we still have the wholesome atmosphere we've had. Sure, there are challenges with, with our drug issues and things like that. But when people move in, I tell them, you know, you'll find, you know, that people go to the football games, people go to family events, people go to uh, like Christmas in the park, for instance, they come out in droves and, and people are looking for things they can do, you know, with their kids and with their family. So I think still having that wholesome family atmosphere is what we're all about here. All right. So you have obviously been incredibly successful in the real estate business here. How'd you get started? What led you into, I think I want to sell houses for a living. Um, how'd that get started for you? It wasn't pre-planned. I can tell you, it's kind of interesting because uh, we I was just talking to my son. I, my kids are all you know younger and looking at what to do when they want to, when they uh, get out of school and things like that. And uh, um, my senior year in college, I went to Bluffton University. It was Bluffton College back in that day and took just business, uh, general, got a four-year business degree. And uh, my last year in, in school, my senior year, I, was, I took a sales course. At the end of that course, I remember saying, I know one thing. I don't want to be in sales the rest of my life. <laughs> so I, when I first got out of uh, school, I went to work in uh, manufacturing, which is what I thought I wanted to do, be inside a, 
uh, manufacturing facility. I thought that would be exciting, this, that, and the other. Well, after I got inside the facility and, and uh, I, I, it was tough, I ended up being involved with management and trying to manage U.S. steel workers. <laughs> I found I didn't want to do that the rest of my life. So while I was involved with that, I actually got interested in investing in real estate, thinking I want to get my first investment property, buy a duplex. And I did in the uh, two to three years that I was in manufacturing. And I uh, thought that was really fascinating because I'm thinking, hey, other people's money, rent income, makes a payment on this property. I could do this time and time again and have a, a great retirement program. So um, after being dissatisfied with my job and really being infatuated by real estate, I just said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give real estate a shot. And that's kind of one thing led to another. I was in Akron, didn't like Akron, moved back down to my home, Tuscarawas County, New Philadelphia, and got started in real estate, and the rest is, is history. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. What, what brought you back? What was it that, about Akron that you said, I don't want to sell up here, I want to go back home? Yeah, well, it was uh, the bigger city, which isn't bad. I like the excitement of a big city, but after about three or four days in the big city, I'm ready to go back to my roots. I, I like the hills of Tuscarawas County. In fact, when I was at Bluffton, it was so flat out there, it's like Kansas, and I after uh, you know college, I said, you know, I want to go back to the eastern side of the state and find those hills again. So I came back, and and when and when Akron didn't work for me, I thought, well, I know people in Tuscarawas County, so I'm going to get involved with any kind of sales. It makes sense to go to an area that you know people. So that was the two reasons. I I love the I love the area. I love the wholesome atmosphere for families. And uh, I thought knowing people will help me in my business. And that's one of the cool things about this area is that there is a kind of a generational knowledge of like. You probably have the same friends and some of the same people that you knew when you graduated mm-hmm. from high school exactly. that you still celebrate Christmas with or go to church right. together with in right. a way that, that maybe is uncommon in other places. Right. And I, I really think we do have some, especially here, because I'll sell people's homes that leave the area. Obviously, that's what I do. They come where they go, and, and some many relocate in the same area, just move up or move down in home size. But the people that have left, I can't tell you the number of times I've heard back from them and said, you know, if you ever leave, you don't realize how good it is here. I think you have to really depart from the area to really, you know, discover how, you know, what you once had. It, it is something special. So you've been doing this for a few years now. <laughs> yep. Tell me, tell me some way that maybe you've grown or some lessons you've learned in the process that maybe you do things different or feel like you're better today than when you got started a, a few years ago. Well, I think experience teaches you a lot. I think you, you learn in, in dealing with people, you know, that, uh, there are certain traits that <laughs> you see coming. So you really know how to work with that individual. Cause there are some people that want to take their time in making decisions and things like that. So you get that. And, and my goal is never to pressure anybody and make any decision. It's interesting because in real estate, you're not really, you know, the house sells itself basically. If people walk in the door, they know right away if it's the right home for them. It's a, a salesperson doesn't talk anybody into buying a house. It, it's strictly emotional and they have to love the house and feel that they can live there before they're going to buy it. It kind of sounds like you see yourself more as a guide, that your job's not necessarily to sell the house as it is yeah, to, and that's all it is, to really. walk them through and help yeah. them find something they right. love. Right. And being patient with their decisions and, uh, you know, being less emotional. I think the longer I'm in it, the, the less emotion you are with people because you want it's all it's really all up to them. I never want to be the cause of a problem or the cause of them making a rash decision. I just want them to make the right decision for them. So uh, and, and maybe I haven't changed this way, but I always believe when I started this business that putting putting the, the, the client and the customer first in, in, their, in all the decisions. We, we work on that all the time in our sales meeting with our staff and our agents. It's all about the client, whatever's best for them. That we have to take ourselves totally out of the equation. It's all about what's best for them. So one of the questions I like to ask people is when you've done a job as long as you have, there's obviously joy you take from doing your job. And I know there are a lot of hoops to jump through. There's a lot of paperwork. There's mm-hmm. probably a lot of parts of your job that you would Rather someone else take care it's of the paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> but what are what are the parts of your job that bring you joy? 
I just love it when we help that person realize their dreams because buying a home is the American dream. And so when we find that perfect home and we can see the excitement that they have for that home and we were able to secure a deal for that home for them to get them the home they really want, that's that's huge for us. That is. That's for me, for my staff and for our agents. I really think we we really enjoy what we do. There's a real there's real satisfaction in that. That's kind of neat. You get to celebrate with people as they celebrate. We do. There's we do. joy for them and yep. so there's joy for you. Yep. Yep. We help them accomplish their goals, bottom line. So what led to you starting out on your own? How did you end up owning your own realty company and, and kind of doing your own thing? Well, in real estate, you have to start working for someone else. You just can't go be a real estate broker or a real estate business owner. So I started years ago with a, with a broker, Jerry Ackerman, who's no longer with us, sadly. But uh, he had Ackerman Realty. And, and my first uh, uh, meeting with him was uh, he was very knowledgeable, a good guy. And he took me on his owner's wing and, and taught me the business. And I appreciate him for that. And then after about two or three years, I decided, you know, I want to become a broker and ultimately a business owner. So Jerry offered me a partnership at that time. So I became a partner with Jerry for a while. And after two or three years of that, I realized that it was time for me to kind of spread my own wings, go on and do my own thing. So I started McIntyre Realty in 1992 and, and have built the business up to having the agents that we have here now. And, you know, I think being an integral part of our community. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so do you enjoy it? Do you enjoy being being the boss and all that comes with that? Uh, there are certain things I'd rather not do. I, I still enjoy you know, working with people and helping them find a home and help them sell their home. I, that's that's really my passion. So I, I try to be a good leader from that standpoint as far as my agents and staff. And, and I think I lead probably more by example. I'm not a guy that... Uh, you know, enjoys any kind of controversy, honestly. I'd rather that go away. But obviously, when you own your own business, you have to confront that at times. But for the most part, uh, that would be the worst part of my job is, is when you have to confront somebody over something they did wrong or, or something, or maybe they didn't handle something correctly. That's part of the job I don't like. I love, I love creating joy. And honestly, what we have here is a real family atmosphere. If you talk to my agents, I think they'll say that to you, that everybody feels like when they're here, they're part of the family. And it's a real great, cohesive group. Yeah, I got to witness that as I walked in, just walking people share stories and talking about what's going on at home and yeah. laughing together and really just kind of a, in, in addition to the beautiful home, just a beautiful atmosphere yeah. of people here. And, and I think that's important because in sales, you face rejection every day. I mean, you go out there, you're in the trenches in some ways, you know, and if you, and in an all commission business, if an agent works with a client and they buy a home from someone else or buy a for sale by owner, for instance, They've lost an income. So it's not all, you know, roses here. It's still sales and you have to sell to make it income. So I like to have an atmosphere when they all come in here, you know, after being out, maybe having a bad day that they feel good about being here. That's awesome. And I'm just curious, you have a business that I imagine in the last 30 years or so that you've been selling houses looks absolutely nothing like what it looked like mm -hmm. when you got started. Yeah. yeah, well, back in the day, yeah, there was no computer use. There was no cell phone even. I mean, uh, so you, 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 know, you got calls at the office. You got calls at home while you're in your car. You didn't get calls. <laughs> so, <laughs> so setting up appointments for it was much more complicated because you had to wait till you got out of your car to call somebody to tell them either about a house or set an appointment or set up a home showing. So Now, you even talked a little bit about how that's affected your job, but it's harder for you to have downtime now yeah. because there is kind of that expectation. If you're in a profession that kind of has an on-call setting, yep. there is kind of an expectation that you're going to answer your phone, whether it's eight o'clock at night or, you know, no, yep. no more waiting till business hours. No, nope. there's no business hours anymore. It's around the clock. And the technology pieces, you know, I even, we bought our first home. It's been 14 years ago now. Then we bought our second one three years ago. Mm -hmm. And just in, in that window, right. there was a huge change in how you look for houses, how you make offers on houses. Yep. So yep. what's, what's changed for you? 
And what, what do you like about the change? And what do you go, man, I wish we could go back to the way it was in 1990. From that standpoint, it's a lot easier today. We would have MLS books where when someone lists their home, every week a new book would come out with all the listings in it. And so you'd have to go through your book of listings and then you call someone on a landline and say, here's what just came on the market, blah, blah, blah. Nothing was instantaneous at all back then. So it was a lot slower in some ways. That was nice. <laughs> Where today, you know, with email and people many times learn about a home at the same time I learn about it because as soon as the property is listed, it goes into the computer network and up it pops in front, in front of someone if they're sitting at work and they have their computer on, which a lot of people do. Boom, there's a house they want to see. And they call me saying, hey, I was just come on over in such and such street. And I say, well, you know what? I just saw that too. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I You see in these older movies and TV shows, like someone would come into an agent's office and say, well, we want a three bedroom one and a half bath, 15, and then the agent will say, well, let's go look at these four houses. And mm -hmm. I, I see those and I think, that's not how you look for a house. Because <laughs> today I call you and say, can I see these three houses? Because mm -hmm. these are the three that fit my criteria right. before before yeah. you've ever had exactly. a chance to offer them. Exactly. And that's, that's we, we've lost some control from a real estate agency standpoint because of the computer networking and Zillow and some of these other sources that get the information as quick as we get it. So, which I think we lose some professionalism that way. I always like to be the person making the call, being the proactive one saying, hey, a new listing came up over here. And they're already on the phone saying, I know, I just drove by it. <laughs> <laughs> well, sir, it's been a roller coaster ride just full of adapting and changing and just getting used to what things are, right? Technology continues to be the challenge just to keep up as, as I get older. <laughs> Well, we are we are recording this in October. I'm not sure when folks will listen to it, but we are mm -hmm. still in the midst of uh, the the pandemic and COVID-19 yes. and regulations. Speaking of learning to adjust and adapt, mm -hmm. I'm just curious, what's changed for you yeah. in doing your job in the last six months where... Right. Well, one good thing is we were essential. Where in the Pennsylvania, I know some agents live in the state of Pennsylvania. They were not. They were totally shut down. They couldn't leave. They couldn't go out and meet people, show homes or anything. So I can't imagine... Uh, and being in that scenario. So thank goodness we were essential. We stayed active and we have. And, uh, you know, when it first hit, everybody went inside. Nobody, that first month of March was just totally, we, we might, as, might as well have been shut down. But once people kind of got accustomed to what we needed to do, wearing masks, uh, you know, sanitizing, all those things, we, we follow the guidelines that they gave us, which is in our office. And every, someone leaves the office, we clean the, the table and wipe everything down and wash up and and keep our mask on. When we go out to a house, we wear our mask. We ask, ask permission if they want us to come in, all those type of things. But we do all the precautions that uh, that are necessary to try to protect uh, our fellow man, so to speak. And it's been, I'm sure, just a, you're like everyone else. Anyone who's in a leadership role during this season is just so tired of oh. figuring out new ways to do things. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I'm sure there's some, some of that feeling and frustration on your end, too. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it is frustrating overall. But I, I, I am thankful. I think we're blessed Number one, to be in a community like ours where everybody is concerned and cares about each other. And number two, to still be able to work. Yeah. And, and honestly, we've had a phenomenal year all in all. You know, in the real estate world, you may not know COVID existed if you weren't aware because the market's been just outstanding. Low interest rates, low inventory. And there's a frenzy for certain homes whenever they come on the market. Well, I love I love your, your joy and your attitude. One of the things I've been talking about with the folks at our church over and over and over again is Nobody wants this, but there is still joy to be found. There are still there good things happening. Yeah, there is. I mean, it could um, be a lot worse. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. Be careful saying that. It may get, it may get worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we know what happens next week, right? Or tomorrow for that matter. So, well, so you've been incredibly involved in the New Philadelphia area as a volunteer and as a leader. Uh, let's just talk about one of your passions I know is Tuscora Park. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about that in general first. What makes 
Tuscora Park so special to you and to this community? I think it's I think it's a gem of our county. I really do. And and I think uh, growing up here, I remember, and I know a lot of people have had this experience at a young age. My grandma, probably before I could walk, as far back as I can remember, I'd go to the park. My grandmother lived like three blocks from the park, went out to grandma's house. We would normally walk to the park, take some bread, feed the ducks, just enjoy the environment and get on the swings. And she'd push me on the swings and all that. And then we'd go home. And I think uh, when you look around, most communities, very few have a park like Tuscora Park. So I think it's very special as soon as I get involved with it and with Christmas the Park, I did. I'm on the park board. I'm on the Tuscora Park Foundation. And it's just a great community environment for people to go. I mean, to have the, the rides we have, the merry-go-round, the Ferris wheel. People are blown away. And when someone comes into town, new to the area, and I'm driving around kind of showing off the area. The first place I drive is right through Tuscore Park. And they, after the, the tour, if they have a chance, when they go by, I hear they call me back and say, man, that's something special. And it really is. It really is. Yeah. Um, even before we moved here, we used to come down and you yeah. know, I, I grew up south of here and lived north. And so we used to meet my parents there all the time mm -hmm. as a halfway place. And just, it's a kind of place that, you know, 60 years ago, a lot of towns had. A lot yeah, of towns had right. that little park with a mm -hmm. few rides. and. Yeah. And many of them have closed and right. shut down. And it really says something about this city and this community that they've made that a priority to continue to, to maintain that for our families and for our kids. Yep. Um, it really is a special place. It is. It's a special place. So I think a lot of folks will know your name as much as anything from what you do with Christmas at the Park, which yes. I'm sure flowed out of your experience there on the board and helping mm -hmm. the park in general. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about how Christmas at the Park got started. Yeah, I mentioned Cincinnati a little while ago that my brother... We'd always go down for Thanksgiving, and uh, we did the Cincinnati Zoo when our kids were young and enjoyed that. But the, the zoos, and they do today, but years ago, I'm not sure they did it that long ago, that they really decked out their uh, the zoos for Christmas, lights up and different events going on in the park and so forth. And so I got the idea. I was walking through the, the zoo with my brother and my family and his, and I'm thinking, you know, I could really, this could be really cool to be done in our little park here, similar to a zoo in some ways. And so uh, 24 years ago, actually this was our 24th year, we started our first Christmas in the park. And and uh, it's amazing, you know, really how far it's come the first year. I think people were just wondering, what is this we're doing over here in the park <laughs> on a cold December night? Yeah. And we've had some weather nights, you wonder why you're there, where we had torrential rains and people still out there in umbrellas and everything. So, uh, but all in all, it's become what I hoped it would. It's become a, a family tradition. And I get the biggest... Uh, thrill when I hear people tell me that, you know, they say, hey, we've done this now for blanking so many years. And uh, and now now I'm starting to see, you know, grandkids of the kids that are the parents that, used, that started with me back 24 years ago, bringing their grandkids through. So it's it's become a family tradition, which is I hope I hope it would. So obviously it's grown into this this great thing with the carriage rides and the the rides and the mm -hmm. penning zoo and the whole nine yards. Right. How, how did it start? What, were, what was kind of the first step, the very first Christmas in the park. What did it look like? First Christmas in the park had a nativity scene. Okay. And then also, I believe we had Santa in the pavilion. So we had the nativity scene, Santa, and the rides were open. And that was pretty much it, just to get it started the first year. And uh, today, of course, we've added uh, the uh, ice sculptors where they carved four blocks of ice into a Christmas character. We've added singing groups outside and inside. Uh, we've added the horse-drawn wagons was huge. People love these big, beautiful draft horses pulling these wagons uh, through Storybook Lane. That's become the favorite. Yeah. And right now, last year, I think we had six or seven teams of horses and and the lines uh, for that event are lined up the whole evening. I mean, it's it's a wait, but people appreciate it because they know it. number one, it's free. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> But that's become probably the all-time uh, 
uh, favorite thing to do. But we always try to add different things. Last year we had Snow White and, and uh, Cinderella, and uh, we have Olaf and some other characters. All the minions are big now. So we every year we try to find, even if we're adding one more character, we try to change or add something. It just makes it a lot more fun. So my hope is most people will hear this before we get to that time this year. Yeah. So tell me, what are plans with COVID and all that taking oh place? What's what's going to happen this year? Yeah, we've just made a decision. The city has given us their blessing that we're going to have a Christmas, Christmas in the park drive through Okay. So we're not going to let people congregate together, and we can't. The health department won't allow us. But what we're going to do is we're going to open up, uh, uh, which we always include Storybook Lane in our event. It's uh, just a very uh, unique, uh, historic uh, display that was done years ago by the neighbors of East High Avenue. I remember when I was oh, a kid cool. going through all the nursery rhymes and then some were lit and moving and, and all that. So we'll start out by people driving through Storybook Lane and then they'll go past the football stadium between the football and the baseball field, go up to the top of the hill and then they'll turn left on 2nd Street and up on top of that hill going down 2nd Street we'll have our uh, nativity scene, we'll have the blocks of ice, we'll have a stage with singers and uh, we're going to try to have every event we can have, except for you're not going to be able to get into a horse-drawn wagon ride, sadly, and some of the things that cause people to congregate close together. So, uh, Are we going to do the petting zoo? Or are you going to hold the goats up to the side of the <laughs> yeah. car so I can pet it as yeah, I drive by? Yeah, I wish by? we could. No, we're not going to do that. <laughs> we're going to have probably a little more elaborate uh, animals in the nativity because we'll have those animals, but they'll be in the nativity setting. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, well, I just can't tell you what that, I know that means a lot to folks here in the community. I assume you've seen a lot of positive feedback from that through the years. Yeah, it's been pretty cool. I mean, it's been, you know, and I hear it throughout the year too, for that matter. Years ago, it was just before or after Christmas, but today, and we'll even get calls in the office in June asking, hey, what's the day for Christmas in Park this year? So, you know, we know people are making plans for the holiday season and trying to work that into the plans, which is, like I said, is a real thrill for, for us here. So let me ask you a couple more questions and we'll wrap up here. Sure. Um, Obviously, you have a deep love for the community here. That's why you've given back so much. That's why you've made your home here. I'm going to give you a chance as someone who sells houses in the county to make a sales pitch. <laughs> Maybe somebody from some distant city will hear this and mm -hmm. you'll sell a house because of it. Right, there you go. What, what is so special about this place? Why should someone move and make this their home? Well, I think I may have said it and I hate to keep repeating it, but I think one of the things we offer here is we're not adjoining any large municipalities. So we... Um, not that we don't have our own social issues, every community does, but I think ours are on a smaller scale than if we had a Columbus, uh, Cincinnati, a Cleveland sitting right next to us. I think uh, we still have a wholesome uh, atmosphere. Um, I think people today, young couples having their kids, they want to live in a community like ours because they can you know, go to the soccer games with their kids and feel safe. They can go out at night and feel safe. They can go to the park and feel safe. I think we've got a lot of good things that way. We still have lots of good amenities here. Heck, we have the Performing Arts Center, <laughs> when COVID's over, that is, <laughs> that bring in some world-class events, yeah. uh, you know. And so years ago, I'd drive up to the uh, Cleveland uh, Performing Arts area and uh, two hours drive up and back and you're home by one in the morning where you go down here and you're home at 10 15 it's pretty nice so we still and, and the restaurants here our local restaurants are great uh not that you can't drive an hour and a half you're a cleveland indians game or a cleveland browns game or a high state buckeye game so we're an hour and a half from pittsburgh cleveland columbus which is i think an ideal location still get some of those uh city events in if you really want to but for the most part i think we got a wholesome family atmosphere that i think is what when you really get right down to it what people want for their kids and their families Last question. So I, I assume that you work way too many hours like most folks do. I've been, I've been told but, that. But if, uh, if I were... By my significant other. <laughs> <laughs> but 
If I were to find you on a day off, what are some things you enjoy doing, uh, things that are, are hobbies? What's your life look like away from the business? We uh, we love to go to Tappan Lake. We've got a cottage up there on the lake, and that's kind of my escape. To be, just to be on the water um, early in the morning, you'll catch me out fishing, and many times it's by myself. The kids want to sleep in, and that's fine. Just If I get on the water and it's still crystal clear and you you see a bird fly by, you see eagles occasionally up there, and you you see turtles in the water. It just the the atmosphere there to me is gets me lets me escape with the kids. We love to go out on jet skis and we love to go tubing and love to cook out on the on the grill and look at the water. It's just a great environment. So you'll find me find me at Tampa Lake if I can find time to escape on the weekends. And I do. No secret in hobbies. You don't tap dance or do ballet. Or <laughs> well, actually, I'm an old drummer from way back. I, oh yeah. I I play drums. I haven't played in them. I took a break. I played in the praise team at the church for like twenty some years. And about five years ago, I said, let's let the younger guys take it over. I, I do miss that because that's uh, that's time we just focus on the music and really get into it. So I, I miss that. But once in a while, I'll get on the drums and uh, hammer away, just maybe take out some aggressions. I'm also, <laughs> by the way, a demolition derby driver. Don't oh, know if you knew that. I did not know yeah, that. For the past, oh. I think, 12 years now, I've been in the demolition derby at the fair. And I've won my class about three times. So I've got some trophies I'm very proud of. I'll say, we got to talk about that. How did you... <laughs> How did you get in? I said last question, but we're going to talk about okay, that. Okay, okay, yeah. How, how did you get into Demolition Derby? Well, it's funny. Probably 15 years ago, I sold a guy a house, uh, and uh, he was, he was you could tell, he was passionate about Demolition Derbies. And in fact, he drives in any Demolition Derby you can get to in Ohio and probably beyond. So uh, I said, you know, I've always wanted to do that, but I really... I really wouldn't know what I need to do to a car and this type of thing. But I did say to him, I said, if you ever have a chance and you find a spare car, I'd be interested. Honestly, thinking I never hear from him again. Well, <laughs> like two or three months later, he called me up. He said, hey, I got you a car. I said, you what? <laughs> and the rest is history because, you know, my dad drove a Midvale back in the fits his Midvale Speedway. So yeah. I've driven in uh, business events down there and I've won a lot of them, I'm proud to say. So I, I do have a knack for, I think, driving a car fast. Hopefully uh, nobody sees me driving around town very often. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so yeah, he's he built my first car and he he's built one every year since. And I always say I probably won the Demolition Derby because he does know what to do. And there are certain things you can do. And to make a car a little better versus the competition. But you've got some demo derby trophies sitting on a shelf I do. somewhere. I think I've got five of them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Look yeah. at you. Yeah. You are good at driving fast and crashing into things. That, I'm <laughs> yeah. not sure if that's a great life skill. Good, yeah. But yeah. Nobody wants to ride driving me when they want to go look at a house, right? But, but it comes with trophies. <laughs> that's right. Jan, I just want to thank you for indulging me. I started dreaming of doing this podcast. And, and when I asked the leadership at our church about someone to talk to, your name came up multiple times wow. as someone who's meant a lot to this community, yeah, great. Um, who who has a heart for this community. I do. I do. And uh, so it was an honor to, to kind of be able to share your story and hopefully folks will enjoy getting to hear it as much as I did. Well, thank you. And I got to tell you, I, I, you know, as a business person and a, and a business that people support me in this community, I really feel a, a true responsibility to give back and, and make this a better place for all of us. And I think other business guys do. I'm not the only one. There's a lot of great business leaders in our community that give back. And I think that's why we have the great community that we have here. Yeah, I mean, kind of the inspiration I was telling you before we started, the inspiration for this podcast is that I've met so many folks like you who have been blessed by this community yep. and are, are in turn giving back and blessing the community and helping it to grow. Yep. And uh, I just love hearing their stories and how they got to where they are and why they do what they do. So yep. uh, thanks for indulging me. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. That's all for this episode. We plan to release a new episode on the 1st and 15th of each month moving forward. If you know someone who has a great story and a deep love for our community, please feel free to send us an email at wearetuskpodcast at gmail.com and we will start reaching out to potential future guests. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to another episode of the We Are Tusk podcast presented by Dover First Christian Church.